Good morning and welcome to chapel. Uh, we are excited today to have Reverend William Baker with us. Uh, if you were with us last year, he, he became a regular in our chapel speakers last year, and we're so thrilled to welcome him back again uh, this year. Uh, he'll be speaking on God, a God who's with us, uh, and that is um, something that, that I hope we all just open our hearts to um, this morning. Please join me. We're going we're gonna to read the Apostles' Creed together. Please stand in your rooms. Christians, what do you believe? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. Now we go before the Lord in prayer, bringing to him the concerns of our hearts, but also giving him our praise and our thanks for the things that he has given us, um, and even the things that he's withheld from us. Sometimes we want things that we ought not to want, and the Lord withholds them from us. So as we go before the Lord today, let us give thanks for his goodness to us, and also then lay before him our concerns and our problems um, because he is truly the one that has the power uh, to offer you a solution or to uh, give you relief from your suffering. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you have given us this time to come before you and to offer you thanks and praise, to acknowledge you, to remember you, Lord, how could we forget you? How could we forget that all that we have, that all that we've been given, that all that is around us, the beauty of the fall trees, the wonder of the rain, the softness of the grass, the beauty of the flowers, the heat that we have, the buildings, the structures come from your faithfulness to this college over the many years. And so we give thanks. We give thanks, Lord, for preserving us even in this time. We thank you for preventing infection and for giving us rapid and good testing, for helping us being able to take days away from class but still be able to join, and then also being able to return to class quickly, for keeping us open, for preserving our health and our strength, for giving us an opportunity to be educated, to be able to read and to write and to study and to prepare for a life that you've set before us. For all these things, we give you thanks. 
Lord, we also know that along with these things you've given us that are so good is a suffering that accompanies life. And some of this suffering might just be the tiredness of the bodies. Some of the suffering might just be the emotional or psychological stress of relationships in our families, with our roommates, with our professors, with our friends, with our teammates. So Lord, we ask that you would help us to bear up under this suffering, to offer forgiveness where it's due, and to be generous with our time and with our attentiveness to other people that you would heal the brokenness in our relationships and that you would give us relief from the suffering of persecution or from unkindness. Lord, we also pray that you give us relief from other things, sickness. Lord, many of us are sick just in ordinary ways and that makes it difficult to do our work. So we pray for good health, for good digestion, for an ability to eat and give, gain strength, for ability to wake up in the morning and to do our work. We pray, Lord, that you would give us a will to do our work, a desire for it, so that the effort becomes less. We also pray, Lord, for those situations now that we face in the larger city, in the country, in the college that we inhabit. Lord, we're just reminded that the world is full of trouble. And so now we pray for those people who are dealing with those problems that allow us to do the things we do. We thank you for our city council that works tirelessly at the problems of our city. We thank you for the police officers that do their work. We pray for them, Lord. Not only that you would keep them safe, but also, Lord, that you would give them sympathetic and kind hearts, that they would be gentle and patient in the way they execute their office. We pray, Lord, for those who serve in the office of representative that now represent us in the government. We pray that they would execute their office in a dutiful way. We pray that you would help them remember us and the particular problems that they have claimed that they will represent us for. Help them to be honest, to avoid flattery. Also give them strength, Lord, in their work. And then, Lord, we pray for this season of election. Our country um, has many difficult things to talk about and think about. Which ones are important and how we should talk about them, Lord, guide our lips and our hearts and our minds so that we might not fall prey to people who flatter us or speak the language that we want to hear and so therefore gain our allegiance without us first testing their words against your holy word and testing their promises against your promises, Lord, so that we might first be faithful to you and faithful to your Son, Jesus Christ. Help us to do this so that we might indeed be salt and light to the world around us. And now, Lord, we turn to you together 
praying that prayer that your Son has taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is from Exodus 33, 12 through 17. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, Bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways, that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us, so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. In Psalm 16, the redemption is so overt and runs so deeply that Peter, on the day of Pentecost, quotes from Psalm 16 when speaking of the Lord's resurrection. And to the theme of the day, I would point out by verse 8, the presence of the Lord is is a key element here. The confidence that comes from, from knowing that the Lord is with us. So let's stand and read Psalm 16 together. Let's read together Psalm 16. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones, in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad, and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Amen. You may be seated.
Good morning, Geneva. It is an honor and a blessing to be back with you as we uh, begin this 2020 and 2021 school year. Uh, my thanks to uh, Dr. Trout, President Trout, and the worship team and all who are responsible for my return. And uh, I am just excited to declare God's word to you today. Um, and to encourage, prayerfully encourage you with this message that God is with us. Uh, such an important message for um, troubling times. Amen? Amen. 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 The word of the Lord comes from Ma the gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verse 18 through verse 25. Matthew 1, 18 through 25, and at verse 18 you find these words. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. <clears throat> but as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Then Joseph woke from sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. The word of God for you, the people of God, thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight and that you would give your people ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. This we pray in the strong name of Jesus and everyone who loves them said amen. 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 Well, I want to talk to you for a few moments from this subject. God is with us. Geneva, deism is the belief that God is the creator of the universe, but that he is no longer concerned with the world in which we live, and he is far off exploring his own private interest. Deism submits that God has left the world to be ran by human beings according to how we see fit. Deism is a unique way, I believe, to uphold the belief in a supernatural creator, but to allow men to do whatever they would like in the world. This is interesting because deism has a significant history in the founding of our country. Some of the founding fathers were deists, and deism also strongly shaped the notion of Christian belief amongst other founders. And I believe you can see this impact even in our culture today. 
Many of us are practical deists in the way that we lead our lives. We believe in God intellectually, but when it comes to decision-making, actions, and philosophies we hold most dear, they have nothing to do with the values and commands of the God who was revealed in the person of Jesus Christ and in the Holy Scripture. This deistic worldview is at the very heart of human sinfulness. Adam and Eve were practical deists when our first parents fell from paradise. They treated God as if he was so busy that they could no longer come to him and he had no longer had any time to answer or consult with them about the temptation that the serpent put before them. Because deism is really just an easy way to do what we want to do in our lives and in the world we live in. But at the genesis of the new creation that God began in Jesus Christ, we have this declaration about the nature of divinity in relationship to humanity. Here it is, church. God is with us. This is the message of today's text. Matthew 1, 18 through 25 teaches us that God is with us means that God in the person of Jesus, the savior of the world, has come in perfect holiness to earth to save sinful believers from the punishment of sin. For many in the world and in the church today, this declaration of the imminence of God with his people has been dressed up to mean that God is necessary primarily to the end of meeting my felt needs and fulfilling my life's greatest desires. But this is not the context in which we find this promise, Geneva. No, when God is with us, life can get messy. In fact, God comes into the mess of our lives in order to reveal his love, uh, his love and to meet our deepest need and to introduce us to true purpose in life. We are not to do what we want independent of God in this world. We are not to view God's presence in our life as a means to get what we want out of life. So the relevant question before us today is this. What does today's text teach us about what it, uh, the meaning of the statement, God is with us? The first, the first uh, aspect of God being with us that we learn from the text is this. When God is with us, it can disrupt our plans and disappoint our desires. I know that's kind of like bad news, but I'm going to get to the good news, okay? See that primarily in verse 18, but throughout, the, throughout this text. This righteous and God-honoring young man named Joseph from Galilee was promised a beautiful young virgin named Mary. First century Jewish engagement was as binding, if not more binding than modern day marriage. Even though Mary had not yet begun to live under his roof or sleep in his bed, uh, she was bound to Joseph as his wife. So imagine the day when Joe went to check up on his fiance and found her to be pregnant with the child that did not spring from his loins. This was a tough day, folks. Joseph's marriage plans and life's desires were disrupted by, this new, by the news of this pregnancy. Yet a resilient and, as the text says, righteous young fellow, Joseph planned to annul the engagement privately, to do his part to abate public disgrace and persecution against Mary from the community. 
That was until the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and told him the rest of this seemingly scandalous story. That Mary had not been unfaithful to him and unrighteous in her conduct. No, the child in her belly was of holy generation. A miracle of creation worked in Mary's womb by the Holy Spirit as miraculous as God forming Adam from the dust of the ground. God was with Mary and God was going to be with Joseph, even though it was God who disrupted their plans and disappointed their life's desires temporarily in order to bring redemption to fallen humanity. For much of my life, I must confess, I have believed the heresy that God exists to make me happy. Even when I developed the theology to understand my thinking was fallacy, I often still practically and emotionally lived with that expectation of God in my response to disappointment and disruption in life. Students, whenever anything happened that was not according to plan, I would question the good character of God and his love for me. But today's text teaches us that some disruptions are divinely destined to get us off of our plan for our lives and to get us on with God's plan for our lives. See, some of your desires have been disappointed, not because God has forsaken you, but because God is with you and God has a disrupting, disappointing, disturbing plan for your life. This is what it meant for God to be with Joseph and Mary in the season of engagement. Maybe the disruption and disappointments that we have experienced individually and collectively in COVID-19 are because God is with us. Maybe the disruptions and disappointments in our family circumstances is because God is with us. Maybe the disruptions and disappointments this semester in school is not because God has forgotten about us, but because he's with us. Maybe the disruptions and disappointments of our dearly held friendships are because God is with us. Could it be, friends, that the disruptions and disappointments of your life have been designed by God to unfold his greater destiny for your life, primarily to give you a revelation of his son, who is your savior? The second aspect of what it means for God to be with us that I see in the text begins in verse 21 And I believe it is this, when God is with us, our greatest need is being addressed. Joseph, contemplating his decision to release Mary from their marriage contract, falls asleep. Have you ever been there, taking one of those worrisome naps? You don't know how life is going to turn out, so you just fall asleep in hopes that you will regroup and be able to address your dilemma at a later hour. Well, this is where Joseph is, but in the midst of his depressing nap, the angel of the Lord appears in order to give him direction to deal with his dilemma. God's angel tells Joseph not to release Mary as his wife, but to receive Mary as his wife, because the child that is in her has not come from from sin and fornication. Rather, the son inside her is a wholly new creation. He is the son of God generated in the womb of Mary, not by human or divine sexual encounter, but by the power of God through the supernatural means in the womb of this young virgin. 
Joseph then is not to release her, but to receive her and this child and name him Jesus or Joshua because he has because he has been given by God and he is God in human flesh come to be with us in the world to save his people from their sins through faith in him. Joseph's desires were disappointed, but his needs and the needs of the entire human race were being addressed through the birth of the only son of God. Like a student wanting to talk to a professor about career possibilities, but the professor wants to talk to the student about study habits. So when Joseph wanted to deal with his relationship goals, God wanted to deal to use Joseph's life to accomplish salvation's goal. As some patients may want to discuss superficial health matters when the, when the physician wants to address diet, exercise, and high blood pressure, so too many of us want to discuss God's plan for secondary matters while neglecting our greatest need, which is our separation from God because of our sin. But the angel of the Lord, my friends, told Joseph, uh, name the son of Mary Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. That's an interesting verse. He will save his people from their sins. The relevant question then becomes, who are his people? Is this an ethnically exclusive turn? Is this a social economic class situation? No, I think we get insight into what it means to be one of the Savior's people uh, from the Gospel of John chapter 1 verse 12 when it teaches, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Jesus' people are all people who believe in Jesus and his holy life, his innocent death, his victorious resurrection, and his glorious ascension to the right hand of God is enough to give them eternal life and peace with God. His people are believers. Can I tell someone today, when God is with us, he always wants to deal with our greatest need. We may not value it as our greatest need as we get bogged down by the pressures of life, but God knows our greatest need. Yes, he cares about your relationship status. Uh, yes, uh, he cares about your studies. He cares about your career goals, your emotional needs, your financial concerns, and your family situations. He cares about the turbulence in our culture, and he cares about uh, the pandemic in our world, but all these things in some real way are secondary and are symptomatic of the um, your pro, um, of your great the, the the brokenness in your greatest area of need. All these problems in these areas are a result of your sin and separation from God. God is with us in the person of Jesus to save us from the penalty and the punishment of God that is pointed at our lives because of our sins against God. And this is our greatest need. And God gave Jesus to be with us to address our greatest need. The final aspect I see in the text is in verse 24 through 25 about what it means for God to be with us. And it is this, when God is with us, our purpose in life becomes defined. Joseph had no clue that God uh, what God's plan was for his life. 
We know that he wanted to marry. He probably wanted to raise his own family, start a successful carpentry business, but never in his wildest dreams did he believe that God would use him to raise the son of God. It was through the disruption and disappointment of his life that God addressed his greatest need, the forgiveness of sins through faith in the son of God, and then redefined his purpose to be the earthly father of the divine son. Joseph would have never guessed that the greatest tragedy of his life would result in the greatest blessing of his life. But that was only because God was with him. This is a theme throughout scripture, isn't it? God often uses tragedy to define destiny in the lives of his people. Abraham had to leave home to pursue the purpose of God, but God was with him. Moses had to go back home to pursue the purposes of God, but God was with him. Israel had to leave Egypt to pursue the purpose of God, but God was with them. Gideon had to confront his oppressors with inadequate resources, but God was with him. Ruth had to go through poverty and uncertainty to pursue the purposes of God, but God was with her. Rahab had to leave her past behind to pursue the purposes of God, but God was with her. Because when God is with you through faith in Jesus Christ, your purpose in the kingdom of God will be revealed even when you find yourself in problematic situations. There's an 11-year-old boy named Cartier Carey who recognized that there are single mothers in the midst of the pandemic in need of diapers. So he started with his mother a nonprofit called Kids for Change and has delivered tens of thousands of diapers to single mothers in need of assistance during the pandemic. He said that he was inspired by Kobe Bryant and his work ethic in his career, which encourages his work ethic in his charity. Well, friends, the birth of Jesus in the life of Joseph and Mary should inspire us in our lives to live in the power and the purpose of God in our lives because of the presence of God with us in the person of Jesus Christ today, no matter what the problems we are facing today. Can I ask you a question? What is God doing in the problem predicaments in your life to pull you into the purposes of God in your life because God is with you to face anything, to face everything and anyone through faith in the Son of God. I just believe today that someone under the sound of my voice, God is calling you into, perp the, into, the, into purpose as he reveals to you in the midst of this pandemic that God is with you. God is with you to preach the gospel. God is with you to help those in need. God is with you to save you from your sins. God is with you to heal you from the brokenness of your past. God is with you to allow you to be a blessing. God is with you to start a business. God is with you to excel in the classroom today so that you might bring Christ's salvation into the world tomorrow. God is with you to speak truth to power. God is with you to comfort your neighbor in their suffering. God is with you to forsake self-interest in order to care about the needs of those who are not like you, but who God loves just as much as he loves you. 
God is with you means that God in the person of Jesus, the Savior of the world, has come in perfect holiness to, to earth to save sinful believers from the punishment of sin. And when God is with us, though our plans are disrupted, our desires may be disappointed, God is with us, friends, to address our greatest need and to reveal his purpose and destiny for our lives. Geneva, Jesus lived, died, was risen, and is coming again so that all who would believe might be saved and live at peace with God and in the purpose of God, knowing this truth, that God is with us. Will you receive him today? Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the, com we thank you for the comfort of your presence, the presence of Jesus Christ, our Savior, who has given us the gift of your Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us in the world today. Lord, though our desires may be shifted and even be disappointed at times so that we might be on your plan and in your purpose and in our greatest need might be addressed. We ask that you would now reveal to us Christ and reveal to us his purpose that we are to pursue in our lives from this day forward. In Christ's name, amen. God bless you.